Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. to the show. This is your host, Ray Tucker and Jay Jones. And we're here again telling you where we stand on certain issues. And man, it's a beautiful day outside the man. And it feels real good outside. This is perfect football weather. Yes, Take it is. Track. Take like a track for me. Ooh. It's a perfect track meet weather. You run them bleachers and everything. And uh, man, I remember them days. Yeah, I little days are far a long time away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see this belly of mine. That's okay. <laughs> Fatherhood. <laughs> Ugh, man. Marriage. Marriage, yes. Yes, I gained 50 pounds in marriage. Oh, jeez. 50 pounds. I was 185 on 235. Man. I'm not even willing to try to count. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that'd be a good thing or an indictment. Right. <laughs> My wife likes it. <laughs> but now nah, we got some good stuff for you today. You know, this is one of those episodes where, you know, you can take this episode and share it to anybody who doesn't know God, really, because today we're talking about the case for God. We're continuing on in that series. Um, really, the overall series is on positions of faith, mm-hmm. and this topic is really on God mm-hmm. and um, his attributes and stuff like that. So we're going to talk through some of these logical arguments, um, and we're going to talk about the case for faith, and we're going to wrap up like that. But um, before we even get into it, um, one thing I want to say is that uh, we found these on William Lane, William Lane Craig's website. Mm-hmm. Was like all these videos were in one concise place, which was awesome, you know. And I've heard these arguments from uh, the majority of these arguments before from different ministries and ministers in the past. Right. And um, but I never once really had them all in one concise place where you can just look at them back to back and be like, yeah, wow, that's awesome. So he's got it in fragments, right? So one of the things one of the things we wanted to do with this episode was ensure that you get it all in one place, mm-hmm. right? Now, the links to these videos we posted. Well, actually, you won't see the videos here. We're not showing you the video because it's copyrighted and stuff like that on YouTube and everything. But um, we'll we'll post the links to the videos in the description of each of these arguments, and um, you'll see you'll see more in depth from their viewpoint. But basically, we're just going over a summary of all of them, all in one place. Yeah, yeah I encourage you guys to uh, go check out those videos. Um, they're short videos. You don't have to watch them all in one sit. Good for apologetics for people who don't believe in God, or just in case for God as we go down. Yep. Let's jump into it. So, actually, before we jump into it, let's, let's lay some ground, some ground, um, some ground, Cover some ground, I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not laying ground rules, but we're covering yeah, some ground. Cover. You know, so we believe there's only one, and the one and only true living God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and and in all other perfections. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and his perfect knowledge extends to all things past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. Mm-hmm. We believe in one God eternally existing in three equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have the same nature and attributes, but who are distinct in office and activity. Mm-hmm. So, we just want to make that clear from the jump, right? So, that way you know where, where we're coming from, and if you don't want to hear us, you can just turn it off. <laughs> and take off my glasses, that glare was hitting them. Uh-oh, man. Oh, man. 
I'm nearsighted, so when it works, I can see things that are closest to far stuff. So gotcha. It works out. Gotcha, gotcha. So we're going to start off with the Leibniz contingency argument. I know I just mispronounced that. You butchered it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, mean, I know I, I did actually practice this one, but it's just, man, it's... Anywho. <laughs> the basic assumption here is that the universe is just there, and that's all, no explanation needed. This is that uh, saying guy, he was in every video of Jesus, was not a believer. Is that him? Oh, you talking about um, who they were quoting, um, one of the uh, atheists, Bertrand Russell. Who? Oh, that wasn't him, okay. Man, he, he was just atheist to the core. Yeah. <laughs> they had yeah. him in like three videos. <laughs> he was like, I do not believe in God. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. And we're going to get to the different parts of that. But, um... But yeah, that's the basic assumption that the universe is just there and that's all, no explanation needed. That's the assumption, right? right? But the premise for this argument, for the contingency argument, um, is that everything that exists has an explanation of its existence, either in the necessity of its nature or in an external cause. If the universe has an explanation of its existence, then that explanation is God. The universe exists, therefore the explanation of the universe existence is God. Now, again, we're um, taking a few shortcuts here and and really just summarizing the video. So you're probably asking yourself, well, how do you just jump to that conclusion? Please watch the video because it'll tell you more in depth about it. But um, the three main points that we take away from that and how we arrive there Mm -hmm. is Necessity existence versus contingency existence. They're not, they're not synonymous. Right. right. God exists necessarily because nothing caused God to come into being. Mm-hmm. And everything else exists contingently because of something else acting upon it. Right. You know, the number of things that can exist out of necessity mm-hmm. is very short. Yeah. Like, it's just basically God mm-hmm. or numbers. Exactly. That's really it. Right. Like numbers have to exist. Right. You know, like you have, you could just say I have a hand and you know fingers. Right. It's like, well, how many fingers do you, you have? Five. Oh, well, fortunately, I have all five. Right. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, but um, but yeah, it's like you know. Now some people might argue, which I don't understand the argument, but some people argue like, oh, number five actually exists. And I'm like, no, it's abstract. Yeah, it really like, is. Like there is no physical, literal. You know, like it's not a physical thing, it's just metaphysical, abstract, you know, but the point is, it's five exists Mm -hmm. necessarily, right? It's not contingent on anything, you know, or some might say, oh, well, it's contingent on how many fingers you have. Like, well, five would still exist regardless of how many fingers I actually have. Jason had five. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, that's the first one. About the Kalem cosmological argument. Part one scientific. I can't want to say cosmetology. <laughs> I know we ain't talking about makeup today, dude. Right. <laughs> cosmological <laughs> argument. I could not get that off. Well, go ahead. Oh, I guess I'll get an assumption. There is no. <laughs> There's no casual uh, casualty. Uh, causality. No, I got that one. <laughs> Cause of the casualties. No casualties, no. There is no causality. The Big Bang just happened. Or the universe is just there and that's all. No causality. Yeah. So so kinda like piggybacks from my first one. The first right. one says no explanation. This one says no no cause. Right. right? And, and that's the assumption. Right. So let's talk about the premise, you know, of how we approach the, um, excuse me, this view. Right. So whatever begins to exist has to have a cause. Yeah, absolutely. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we arrive there? So the two main points are, number one, the second law of thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, processes taking place in a closed system always tend towards a state of equilibrium or in other words, there is a definite 
beginning. Right. Some you can also look at it as the law of entropy, mm-hmm. right? Like decay. Right. You know, like energy decaying over a certain amount of time, right? So it points to a definite beginning, mm-hmm. right? And then um, the second point is the universe cannot cause itself into being. Therefore, something outside the universe has had to cause cause it into being. Its cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, mm-hmm. uncaused, and immensely powerful. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, God. God. <laughs> right. All right. At some point, there has to be something that, that caused it all to begin. Yeah. There is cause and effect with everything. We learn this in English. We can see this in life. There has to be only one beginning that started it all. I mean, for every bang... Like if there's a big, if there was a big bang, there's something to cause the big bang. Exactly. Something so there has to be a catalyst. Mm-hmm. You know, when a bomb goes off, you have bomb detectors that go in and figure out what happened. Right. Or any kind of explosion, really. Right. You know, they go in and figure out what happened, right. what was the catalyst, what caused this to to, to explode. Exactly. You know, so mm-hmm. it's just natural that we see these things in nature, right? It's in our world, right. you know. So, so we take that understanding and extrapolate it out into and zoom out, mm-hmm. and we can see that okay, well, if there is such a thing as a big bang, then it's caused by something outside of itself. Right. So, next up, we look at the same argument, but from the philosophical standpoint, right? And this assumption is the universe is eternal in nature, as in it's always existed. You know, so we talked about how, well, like some will say, the the universe just is, mm-hmm. doesn't need explanation. Mm-hmm. Smuggled into that is kind of the idea that it's eternal, right? right? So this is the that that argument here. And then you want to take the premise? Yes. Premise. Premises. Uh, Persian philosopher Al Ghazali. I might have got yeah, that. I argue that if the universe did not have a beginning, then the number of past events in history of the universe is infinite. So, so this one's a little bit hard to like. It, it, first of all, it's hard to wrap your mind around philosophy in general, right? So this one's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around. That's why we we, we stress watch the video. The links will be in the description. Yeah. But there's, there's a good uh, illustration of this. Which I will not attempt to butcher, but um, <laughs> it be worse than the name. We disagree. <laughs> you know, but two of the main points about this um argument is that this is metaphysically impossible because if history is infinite, then today wouldn't be possible because all the events leading up to today will still be happening, right? So, like, today couldn't happen. Right. Like, uh, still be in infinity. Yeah. So, so they they had it as, like, uh, dominoes, Mm -hmm. right? And the last domino, which would be today, couldn't fall Mm -hmm. if all the other events leading up to it, you know, are are still happening. Right. 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 And then... Whatever be whatever begins must have causality. Mm-hmm. That is something acting outside of the object and imposing its force slash will upon it. Mm-hmm. So again, we can go back to some of this cause and effect. Like that's just we see right. that in nature all day long. Right. Even the whole domino thing is kind of like if something is infinite, then wouldn't it just be a moment? Oops. Yeah, a continual moment. Yeah, you know, as opposed to all of these different things happening. Yeah, do we even get all the way down the road with dominoes? You Wouldn't can't it even just be one domino. You can't even <laughs> use concepts as past and future if everything is infinite. Exactly. It's only present. It, it, exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that wouldn't work. Yeah. So it, it goes against the concept of time. Right. Like memories wouldn't be memories. Memories exactly. would be still active and living. Right. We, we have no history. Yeah, like there would be no history, like yeah. everything would be existing in the present tense. Exactly. Right? So that that's not obviously that's not true. Exactly. So moving on, the fine tuning of the universe argument. So the main assumption here is that the universe is just random chance, happenstance. Right. We're 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 a cosmic accident. You know, we just thank our lucky stars. 
All right, yeah, people will say that. <laughs> I've heard people say that. Yeah. You know, we just stardust. Right. You know, it's it's just amazing how the universe just it's just, there. It just it just is right. stuff like that and yeah. you know all type of stuff out there. But you know, the idea that it's just happenstance is it's it's just nonsense to be honest. You know, yeah. When when you, when you really examine it and look at it, like man. So let's talk about this, right? Isn't it working? Right. So the premise behind this one is that there are constants and quantities about our universe that are dialed to such an exact value that if any of the values were changed, then no physical interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. For example, the force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant, and if this constant varied, by one in ten to the sixtieth parts, then none of us would exist. Mm -hmm. Right? I can remember learning about some of this stuff in science. I don't have the exact numbers, but how far away we are from the sun, if we were any closer or any further away, then we would go out. Oh, it's, it's a wrap. It's, it's over with. Either we'll burn or freeze. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a wrap. You know, and, and two main points of this argument is, you know, 10 to the 60th parts is more than a total number of cells in your body. Think about this. If the gravitational force was, if it varied to one to, like, if it varied by such a minuscule, immeasure, almost immeasurable part, mm -hmm. like, smaller than the cells in your body, mm -hmm. then gravity wouldn't exist. Right. You know, we just flow away. Yeah, or whatever, or it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. That's just one example. They lay out, they lay out like three or four different examples. Absolutely. You know, it's like that's a mathematical absurdity. Like mm -hmm. trying to add all that stuff up and realize, oh yeah, it's possible. Like no, like these things have to be placed there. Right. And the second point, you got that one. Yes. Chance would at most bring about patches of order. But the chances of this amount of order in the universe falling into place is mathematically impossible. Yeah, I, I like the word insert of absurdity. Because it really is. Like, once you right. get to, to, to those kind of logarithmic expressions, like, that's more zeros than we can comprehend. Mm. Like, it, we have a tough time trying to comprehend billions. Right. Let alone 10 to the 60. Right. And, I mean, for me, just looking at life in general, would. What, what luck just falls into place that perfectly? Man, if, if, if it <laughs> did, if that. it did, then we all be lottery winners. Exactly. You just know. that perfectly. It, it shows an intelligent designer. I made it in such a way that it is perfectly uh, put in place to where if it's even moved just in the slightest, then it won't work. Yeah. I mean, by the end of the episode, mm -hmm. like, you're going to walk away, like, knowing that you can't get around the idea of intelligent design mm -hmm. right there has to be somebody behind it mm -hmm. whether you want to call them god or not that's up to you but we're going to make the case for you to call them god. Right. <laughs> you know? and, and i've worked manufacturing so i've ran machines i've operated machines and you can rig them right mm -hmm. they can have little problems and you can do little things to it ain't going to be perfect but you can make it work right, right? It, but it's it's not to the point where it's it's that precise that you can't even have the smallest little mistake and the machine just go out. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's 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 way different when we look at mechanics and machines because mm -hmm. everything else is imperfect. But mm -hmm. the universe. When was the last time someone's ever late? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Never. Right. Right. <laughs> we. We plan our whole lives according to the exactness of the, the solar system, mm -hmm. you know, and, and which is over the Exxon, right? You know? <laughs> you know, like like ships navigate the sea through the star with the stars. So if it's all random, then we wouldn't have maps, wouldn't have like wouldn't be able to navigate at all. Like I, I that argument falls flat so easily. Like, man, that was a good one. When is the sun like I can't imagine the sun just sleeping in. <laughs> you know, I'm not coming up. <laughs> it just messed up everything. Everything is fine tuned, man. Yeah. It's set on mm -hmm. such a track that it mm -hmm. is perfect, immutable. Right. Like, watch that video because they, they talk about other um, con um, constant forces that are just 
blow my mind. So let's go to that mathematics argument. You want to take this one? Yep. Assumptions. All that exists is space, time, and its physical contents, and there are not supernatural causes. Mathematics is a happy coincidence. Another one. <laughs> Another one. You know, people, people just believe, people actually believe this, right? It, it's it's you, you would think that in this day and age that people wouldn't have these arguments, mm -hmm. you know, but apparently they do. So we have to address it. Reminds me of Romans where it says that they suppress the truth. What can be known is out there. It, in in my opinion, to believe in coincidence is harder than to believe in the evidence. Yeah. Really? Why? It, it's it, you, it's easier for you to believe in something that's harder to believe than the evidence. And it, it it goes to show that deep down people are really haters of God and they don't want to believe in him. That they would believe in coincidence over evidence. Yeah. Can you imagine that in court? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you, Judge. You right. know, I, I was just there. You yeah. know, the money just fell in my hand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the premise is, if God does not exist, the the um applicability of mathematics is just a happy coincidence. Mm -hmm. But the applicability the applicability of mathematics is not just a right. happy coincidence because it is repeatable and immutable. Right. Therefore, God exists. In other words. Two plus two is always four. Yep. Period. Can't change it. Can't, you can't change it. You can't argue it. A mm -hmm. five-year-old can argue that mm -hmm. one. I argue that and one. I've heard people try to argue that. I literally have heard people. That's when you walk away. That's when you invoke the, um, what did Paul say to Timothy? You know, don't have no vain arguments. <laughs> don't hate the vain. I heard, a crazy, <laughs> I heard a crazy argument where somebody said one plus one equals one. You take one man and one woman, they make uh, one. Anything. <laughs> anything. Now, now I, I know we said some 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 stuff on this podcast before about that, you know, like how one and one equals three. Sometimes yeah. we're totally being facetious when we say stuff like that, right? <laughs> wow. But um, uh, but yeah. So the two points, right? A great deal of mathematics and science cannot be physically realized, such as imaginary numbers or infinite dimensional spaces. A merely physical universe doesn't explain why it has a mathematical structure. Mm -hmm. Therefore, abstract things have to exist. Mm -hmm. right? And the second point is the effectiveness of mathematics is a miracle, which we neither understand nor mm -hmm. deserve. This mm -hmm. is from Nobel laureate Eugene Wegner. Mm -hmm. Wegner. I'm trying to invoke my German here. <laughs> you know, You're doing a good job. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we ain't gonna beat that one too hard. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Like you can't really get around math works right. every single time. You know, if you got the wrong answer, then you're just wrong. <laughs> but his J favorite. Got to take more argument. More argument. <laughs> Assumption. You can be good without believing in God. Yep. Can you? No. <laughs> Premises. If God does not exist, then objective moral values do not exist. But objective moral values and duties do exist. Therefore, God exists. Yeah. So one of the illustrations that they had in there was like, you know, a man saving a cat out of a tree, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, since. I think they came up with that argument probably because someone argued that or used that illustration in an argument right. um, in, a, in a debate or something like that, you right. know. But the question is, the question is not whether you can you can do good and what is it? The question is not the question is not whether you believe or not believe God exists or not. The question really is is like can you be good without God? Right. Right. Whether you believe him or not, the question really is, can you be good without God? Right. So let's talk about the too many points here. Um, there, well, right there. Duh. I should just move the slide. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm trying to memorize it off my head. It's like, oh, I got to fight for that. There you go. <laughs> um, but just for, just for that people on the podcast, in case I said it incorrectly, mm -hmm. the question is not whether you believe in God. 
but whether you can be good if there is no God. That's more right. concise. Right. right. And the second point is, God presents an objective moral standard. If there are no objective moral standards, then how, how can you differentiate between what's right and wrong, and how do you have a claim to justice? You know, you can't say, you know, there is no absolute moral law, and then when someone robs you, you be like, oh, I've been robbed. You right. know, find a perpetrator. What perpetrator? Right. You know, like, you don't believe you're right or wrong, what's the point? Right. And then we just, it, it's a, a, a moral world. Nothing, nothing matters. We do what we got to do to get by. We do what we got to do to survive. There's no morals. I can do whatever. Yeah. And we like, know that's not true. I always tell people, if I go out and I murder a baby, what are you going to say to me? Exactly. You're going to say that I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next question is, why am I wrong? Because I murdered a baby. Okay, so you do have morality. Where does your morality come from? Right. Now we have to trace back to where does the morality come from? Because you can look over the course of history and look at many different societies. There is still morality there. Yeah. Now, there can be a lot of immorality, too, but there still is a moral standard. Where does the moral standard come from? And the thing I like to argue is that morality is antithetical to our nature. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I never had a teach talk. I never had a teach my son how to lie. Right. He's five now. Time is recording. Mm -hmm. I never had to teach him how to lie. Mm -hmm. You know, did you see your room? Mm -hmm. You know, or well, I wasn't lie, but <laughs> but you get, I get the idea, you right. know. Like, who the cookies? You eat the cookies? No. Right. And, so, yeah, and, and where does the where does that feeling come from inside of you when something is done wrong and it bothers you? Yeah, right. If, if, if nothing matters, why are you bothered? Exactly. And so then, why is your conscience on fire? Exactly. Your conscience is on fire. So then we have to we have to accept the fact that God has put that uh, moral compass in us. Here's the here's the moral law written on the hearts. Here's the thing, though, and the people will try to argue, but us being students of the word and having the truth, we understand that the reason why everybody's morality and their moral compass in them is not on the same level is because of a hardness of heart. Mm -hmm. It's because of a, of a suppressing of the truth. It's because of a rejecting the truth. Over time, you make your conscience harder and harder and harder to the point where some people don't have it. Yeah. So... Become so callous, yep. they just do things without thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the main point of this one. Is that like, look, you can't get around the fact that at some point mm -hmm. you're gonna make a moral judgment, Absolutely. and then when you do that, you, the question has to be asked: uh, on, on whose authority do you have to make that judgment? Right. Yeah, so exactly. On authority, who are you? So, so like, who are you to tell someone else? Somebody set the standard. Somebody sets the standard. Because without without absolute moral or objective moral laws, then you can there can be no standard for justice. Mm -hmm. If someone steals something from you, then wouldn't that just be survival of the fittest, survival of the strongest? Right. You know, you should have you should have defended your stuff better. Mm -hmm. Poo poo on you. Right. <laughs> right? right. So you uh, you have. Yeah. <laughs> I just get upset when we try to argue. We love the moral argument. Yeah. Moving on, the ontological argument. Um, one of Jay Z's favorites, but <laughs> you put me on blast. I'll still use it. That's the point, though. So, so that's the idea. Like, we, we wanted this episode because there sometimes you may not have heard of these things, or you may have you, even you may have been stumped by somebody mm -hmm. who who argued what we're saying here or made these assumptions. You didn't have a response. Mm -hmm. So, what we're trying to do is make sure you you have these in your arsenal. All yeah. right. Absolutely. I own a firearm and I've shot different firearms and just because one may not be one that I like as much doesn't mean that it may not be necessary for a certain situation. Exactly. Tool to tool. Yes, it is. You know, close quarters, you know, that's the first thing you grab. There you go. Mm -hmm. You know, if all you remember is the ontological argument, well, right. there you go. Pull it out. <laughs> just know what's behind you. <laughs> so, so here's the main assumption, right? The assumption is there is no God because the idea of God is logically incoherent, mm -hmm. right? And um, so, so to counter that assumption, here's the premise. 
if it is possible that a maximally great being exists, and this is the words from from, the, from that video, so I'm not just trying to talk like I'm in, like an English scholar. We are not English. As you can see from our reading, we are not English. If it is possible that a maximally great being exists, then a maximally great being exists in some possible world. But if a maximally great being exists in some possible world, then it then it exists in every possible world. And if a maximally great being exists in every possible world, then it exists in the actual world. And if a maximally great being exists in the actual world, then God exists. Or in other words, that maximally great, maximally great being is God. So the two main points here is, you know, this comes from um, Anselm of Canterbury. If it is possible that God exists, then it follows logically that God does exist. So we talk about the possibilities here, right? So when it, when they talk about you know what's possible, what they really mean is if the world were to be in a different state, then like what the example they use is unicorns, right? We know unicorns don't exist in real life, you know, but um, if 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 it's possible for a world to exist where unicorns were to exist then unicorns could exist in that possible world, right? We see this in, in movies all the time, in, in fantasy movies, where they create all these different worlds, Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. Where you got elves and dwarves and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's in, in that world, it's possible for those things to exist, so they exist in that possible world, mm-hmm. right? But the idea is, if it's possible that, if, 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 it, if it's possible for a guy to exist in some other possible world, and if he's really God, you know, if he's really as supreme as you think he is, mm-hmm. then he would exist in every possible world, right? And if he exists in every possible world, then he exists in the actual world that he is actually God. So the second point is, is the idea of God is an intuitively coherent idea because God has intrinsic attributes and values that are immutable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that I'm going to go too deep into that, watch that video because they go really deep into that. So. Yeah, it's not, this is not one that you're always going to, you know, I don't really hear this argument too much. Right. Um, it, it, it's more in, you know, I, I won't say it's outdated, but you don't, you don't hear young people talking about this assumption too often. Right. You might need it though. But again, sometimes yeah. some, sometimes you need to pull out that board toward and mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, you want to get to the next one? Yeah. Suffering and evil argument, the logical problem. Assumptions. With all the suffering and evil in the world, how can anybody believe in an all loving, all powerful God? And if God does exist, why would anyone want to worship him? Now, this is a powerful one. And then, you know, go ahead, you know, Yes, on the assumption. It's logically impossible for God and suffering to both exist. But suffering does exist, therefore God does not exist. <laughs> assumption number three. If God is willing to prevent evil but not able, then he is not all-powerful. If he is able to prevent evil but not willing, then he is not good. But if he is both willing and able, how can evil exist? If he is neither able nor willing, why call him God? If the curse... Yeah, I think it's right. Um, Epicurus. This is from the philosopher, Greek philosopher, Epicurus. He's the founder of the Epicurean school. I'm one and two. (laughs) (laughs) Greek philosopher, founder of the Epicurean school. Yeah, he's the one that um that basically came up with that that train of thought, you know, of of attempting basically what I call the assumption of that there is no God, right? And that's how he arrived at that assumption, you know, and, and you know I'm not gonna sit here and 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 minimize the 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 um. The people like this argument is pop art, right? Right. People point to evil stuff like that, and you can see, and 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 it it really is it really is the argument that confronts people on an everyday basis mm-hmm. because they see evil every single day, mm-hmm. and they want God to do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they want justice. I mean, mm-hmm. even when you look at the Book of Revelation, 
and the the people that were martyred in the tribulation are under the throne. You know, and they're asking God, like, when God, when you when you gonna get when you are going when are you going to avenge our blood? Mm-hmm. You right. know, so justice is intuitive to us, even when you know Cain slew Abel. You know, Abel's blood was crying out to God. Mm-hmm. You know, justice is intuitive to us, mm-hmm. right? I think there's that other side, though, that asked the question, you say that this is wrong, you say that you deserve this, who are you to even determine what you deserve? Really? <laughs> so, so let's look at the premise to, to counter that argument, right? So the premise is, well, we say that it is possible mm-hmm. for both suffering and um, for both suffering and God to exist. I missed that on slide. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible for both suffering and God to exist. Sometimes suffering comes about to bring about a greater good, such as surgery, exercise, mm-hmm. discipline, mm-hmm. you know. And um, second point is the burden of proof lies in proving of a negative in the absolute. Excuse me. I'm broken away. Yeah, good. I did So... To to say there is no God, to say that to say there is no God is to say there exists nowhere in the universe a white rock with black spots. Mm. But to know this, you would have to be present in all the universe at all time, making you ever present or possessing omnipresence. Mm-hmm. You would then have all knowledge of everything past, present, and future. To know if there was, is, or ever will be a white rock with black spots, making you all-knowing or omniscient. And once you're omnipresent and omniscient, then you're omnipotent, yeah, mm-hmm. and that is all-powerful. Thus, to say there is no God is to posit the very God-like attributes to yourself in order to prove there is no God. Absolutely. A lot of people don't think through their arguments. No. All right? It, 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 you get to play God and make the rules and determine what is and what isn't, right? Exactly. And, and and that's what it really comes down to. And I love that this argument right here because the, most of us, I know for myself, and most people haven't even traveled to 50 states that they live in the mm-hmm. USA, let alone every country in the world. And we haven't explored the whole ocean. Yeah. We really can't. Haven't explored space, (laughs) and yet we want to. We we don't know everything, but we want to make the uh, assumption that there is no God. You stand in the place and say that there is no God. It really is foolish. Two of my favorite questions to ask somebody when they say definitively there is no God. My first question is where? (laughs) Where is there no God? Have you even been to Cleveland? (laughs) You know. My second question is when is there no God? Have you existed? Have you have you have you existed in all time yeah, all to know time. that God yeah. never existed yeah. at all in all of time? Right. Do like, you know your great great grandparents? <laughs> I mean, really, have you your ancestors? <laughs> you know, but I mean, so that's what I'm getting at. Like, like you cannot prove, you cannot definitively say there is no God, because right. otherwise, like I said, you posit a God like attribute, like, oh, are you God to know that? Right, exactly. Like, how are you to know that other than to be God? Right, absolutely. So. Yeah. Another thing about the whole evil and argue like suffering and evil argument is that at the same time you're smuggling in the moral argument. Exactly. You're smuggling in the idea that there should be an objective, you know, standard mm-hmm. to measure against mm-hmm. evil and what's evil and what's not evil. Right. Denying the fact that due to sin, there there is a lot of the problems and there are things that we do deserve to happen to us as far as death. Also, too, the whole um, what was I going to say? The whole evil or trials, if you will, leading one to um, know God. Mm-hmm. Or the whole if something happens to you, you're able to uh, minister to someone else in the future and help them because you experienced it. Yeah. Or the whole God's um, God's way of thinking in his mind is uh, uncomprehensible. We don't understand it. So his way of doing things in order to lead to good may not seem that way to us. But again, it goes back to that whole 
you're putting yourself in with God-like attributes by saying this is the right way, this is how mm -hmm. it should be done. It shouldn't be done that way. God, you're wrong. If you were all loving and you were real, then you would do it this way. So you're God. You get to determine how God should do things. It doesn't work that way. So we'll, we'll take another spin on that argument. We look at the probability version, right? Mm -hmm. So this assumption is the suffering and evil provides empirical evidence that God's existence is highly unlikely, right? And the premise to argue against that is if Christianity is true, it's not all that improbable that suffering and evil should exist. You know, and here's why. We're not in a position, like you were saying, you know, we're not in a position to say God probably lacked reasons for allowing suffering in the world due to our space and time limitations. In order to achieve his purposes, God may have to allow a great deal of suffering along the way. For example, without the Holocaust, it is likely that the nation of Israel would not have been reestablished. And number two, is relative to the full scope of the evidence, God's existence may well be probable. Probabilities are always relative to background information. For example, the prior argument that you talked about, or a fine-tuned universe, or mathematics, or the moral argument. And then thirdly, Christianity entails doctrines that increase the probability of the coexistence of God and suffering. Namely, A, the chief purpose of life is not happiness, but to know God. Mankind is in a state of rebellion against God and his purpose. God's purpose is not restricted to this life, but continues into the afterlife. And fourth, the knowledge of God is an incomparable good. Right? Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so, so again, that just looks at the the suffering and evil argument from two different perspectives, right? And yeah, so so to the Christian, we know that you know we have plenty of plethora of examples of hardships, you know, um, once you accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. It's not all you know gingerbread cookies and gumdrops, you know, and <laughs> pick so, up your cross and follow me. Your your tool of death. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Jesus said, go to a young, um, rich ruler, go sell everything you own. Right. You know, foxes have holes. Yeah, there's a bunch of people that came up to right. him and wanted to follow him. He's like, foxes have holes and birds have nests. Mm -hmm. Those kind of men have no place to rest his head, a.k.a. he's homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, other believers came up to him and he was like, well, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And mm -hmm. they're like, who's this vampire? Right. You know, <laughs> you know and walked away. It's right? terrible. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but, um, we know Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. You know, obviously Jesus was hung on the cross, and he was beaten and mocked. Man, you, you know? go and read that too. Uh, when you look at the things Paul experienced, and you just you easily read by it. But when you actually stop and think, I was like, man, he really went through some stuff. Mm -hmm. Them lashes. <laughs> you survived that. Eleven, he, eleven out of the twelve disciples were murdered. Were martyred. Wow. Murdered, murdered, same thing. Wow. You know, we all, um, legend, as legend has it, the Peter was hung up uh, on the cross upside down. Right. You know, um, there's Fox and Book of Martyrs. I don't have the book with me right now. It's on my desk at work. Right. Um, but yeah, did like, I do have the book, yeah. With the book. I heard it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like Christianity is, is, is point, is, is case in point when it comes to suffering, evil, like, even recently, like, um, was it last year? Like, there was a guy that was highly criticized for going to this island that's known for cannibalism, and he died trying to preach the gospel. Yeah. You know, even recently. So it's like, it's not, you know, Jesus didn't call us to, you know, comfort. He called us to go out. You know, he said, I'm sending you out among wolves, sheep among wolves. Mm -hmm. Sheep are totally defensive. Mm -hmm. Defenseless. Defenseless. You know, they only have two. They have one row of teeth. Right. Just, 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 that's it. Right. <laughs> just sheep. Right. We are, we are dumb. Man. Like sheep are dumb. Man. Yeah. See, I, I got certain comedian in the show. Let alone we have an adversary that's a lion. The wolves. To lions. Lions. Man. Yeah. We're in for it. 
So, so the idea that there is no suffering, you know, especially for the, from the Christian perspective, it's like, are you kidding me? Right. You know, I suffer hardships all the time. Right. You know, I've lost, I've personally lost friends. You mm-hmm. know, I know you said you lost friends before. Mm-hmm. You know, I just come into faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend who literally had a meeting with my wife and I, came to our house with an appointment to break off our friendship. So I thought the news was going on. I was like, that is amazing. God mm-hmm. is so, like, <laughs> God don't pull no punches. Mm-hmm. So, we got to talk about that later. <laughs> I know you told me, but I need to get more information <laughs> on that story. Let's go ahead and move on. So, um, you want to read the uh, assumption on this one? So this is the irreducibility of complex systems argument. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my bad. I thought you had already did that. But, yeah, what he said. <laughs> and I uh, butchered the uh, Darwin. Darwinian. I just made something up. Wow. Okay. Darwinian evolution explains the origins of life. Therefore, God is not necessary for life. So, the premise to to combat that is is a this complex, argument, right? right? So, a complex system needs all of its parts. All of the time, without any one of the parts, the system fails. Right. Now, personally, I don't like starting from a cellular level, mm-hmm. because it feels as if we're starting from, from an evolutionary framework. And the video that I'm posting in the, the the description, it's um, it's like really the only video I can really find about this argument mm-hmm. um from the actual guy who coined the phrase, mm-hmm. right? But um, to me, I feel like it's a little bit too simplistic, you know. So I prefer to start with the model of a complete human as in a Genesis account where God created man in His own image. Right. Rather than proving from rather than proving from the ground up, you know, cellular to a complete human, I argue from the top down, complete human to a cellular level. Um, and in this video, he talks about he's using um, they use like a like a single cell amoeba and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or they might use a mouse trap example, you know, which you know I, I, they're not bad examples, right? But to me, to me, it oversimplifies the problem, mm-hmm. right? If God created man then let's start there right right that's that's where i can start so let's get into this one because you're not really going to find a video on this other than this video right here right right? so this is where i present the argument i present the irreducibility of complex systems argument using human anatomy so humans have 10 interdependent systems and if there is one missing or a problem with one you get dead humans and dead humans don't evolve right so so for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to read them off. Right. So you got the cardiovascular system, digestive system, endocrine system, immune and lymphatic system, integumentary system, which is your skin, your muscular system, your nervous system, respiratory system, skeletal system, your urinary system. All these things have to be present at the same time in order to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And some might say, well, they were present in ape or in apes or in monkeys, stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, they still have to be present at the same time even in the ape or monkey. Yeah. Right? So so basically, you're just shifting your argument down, down range. Mm-hmm. But you, you're shifting the problem down range. Right. You're not solving the problem. Right. You know? Right. And then on top of those 10, so, so okay, let me back up. So these are 10 interdependent systems. They all work together within. The, I'm using my hands, and I got this whole postman slide here, but right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my hands. <laughs> but um, so so they exist within the body, right? Mm-hmm. And you have your eleventh system, which is your reproductive system, that is interdependent, and um, that that is um, you're dependent on the opposite sex in order to reproduce and perpetuate the species, mm-hmm. and in order to reproduce successfully, the evolutionary model has to overcome 12, at the very least, 12 problems. There's probably more, but I think I started off with like five, and by the time I started to finish, by the time I finished the slide decks, I had 12. <laughs> so, took off. It took off. So, number one, evolution would have to produce the first human with all 10 interdependent systems. This is what I call the miracle of man, mm-hmm. right? 
So let's say, okay, cool. Evolution produced the first human being. Sure. What a miracle, right? What a miracle. Now, the second problem is evolution would have to produce a second human with all ten interdependent systems, you know, a second human, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to repeat the miracle of man. Right. Right? Third, the evolution would have to produce a second human within the life lifetime of the first human. That's what I call the miracle of time. Right? Number four, evolution would have to produce the second human as the opposite sex of the first human. That's the miracle of compatibility. Number five, evolution would have to produce the second human within the same proximity of the first human. That's what I call the miracle of proximity. Right? And it's also assumed that they have to like each other. Right. <laughs> you know, number six, evolution would have to allow both humans to live long enough to find one another. That's what I call the miracle of survival. Yeah. You know, because we die easily. Yeah, we do. We die easily. Don't take much. Like COVID nineteen just showed us that. Take you know, out. like we, we get a we get a problem in our lungs, we're done. You know. If you allergic to bees, you're done. Yeah, you're You know, if you're allergic to poison ivy, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. so it, we die so easily. You fall off a cliff or you break your ankle. Mm-hmm. You Sleep on a patch of ivy. You know, get eaten by a lion, yeah. tiger, bear, oh my. We did not plan that at all. We yeah. die easily. So yeah. the you miracle of survival follow the yellow brick road. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so so it's that miracle of, of survival. Right. right? And move, so going on from there. Alright, so only not that you have those six. So number seven is um evolution would have to allow both humans to be fertile and able to produce, reproduce. That's what I call the miracle of reproduction. Because again, excuse me, sorry, wow. Um it, we all know there's infertility on both sides mm-hmm. of the sex, right? Mm-hmm. So in different ways. So it's like for both humans. Mm-hmm. So again, let's back up. You know, evolution would have to have the first human. Mm-hmm. It has to have a second human. Mm-hmm. The second human has to be in the same time frame, the same mm-hmm. lifespan of the first human, mm-hmm. and in the same proximity of mm-hmm. the first human. And like them. And, and, and like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to be the opposite sex. Right. Like, I, I'm I'm not a mathematician Mm-mm. and I'm not a statistician, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even begin to tell you about the probabilities. Or English, uh, wow. <laughs> 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 but I just know that the like, if if someone's out there listening right now, if you want to have a good old time, you know, doing a lot of rhythmic expressions, be our guest. Put them in the comments. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, you. You haven't even got to the uh, the last ones, but again, yeah. this goes back to that uh, that perfect system. Somebody had to uh, be a elite designer to, yes. to create this, because if we're just relying on it just happened, or we're just relying on evolution, then by God, there's like uh, some great luck. You know, <laughs> on top of that, be repeatable. Exactly. I, I'll let, so I, like, I'll concede the argument. Okay, let's say evolution got it right once, uh-huh. but now I have to do it again. Exactly. And again. Right. And again. Right. And again. There's a such thing as, wow, all of that just lined up. Great. Okay, it happened. Right. Yeah. It, it continues that. Okay, no. Somebody's hand is in it. You know, and, 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 evolution. and evolution, uh, evolutionary model doesn't account for consistency. Mm-hmm. Nor does it. It may account for anomalies. Okay, right. cool. Like, like I'll concede uh, a, a evolutionary anomaly. Right. Right. But you can't then say that anomaly then turn into consistency. Uh-huh. Well, what about the moral side? Yeah, yeah, we're about to get to that one. So, yeah, so let's get to that one. So, uh, moving on from number eight, evolution will have to allow the mother to live through the pregnancy. Mm. All right. You know, I mean, tragically. Women die in pregnancy all the time. Yeah, and giving birth. And giving birth. You know, and I'm, I, actually, now that I'm reading this, I'm missing one here. So evolution will also have to allow the child to live through pregnancy. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, miscarriages are a very real and tragic thing, right? Real. Um, number nine, evolution would have to allow more than one child to be born. Right? So you have to have, you, 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 you got to be fertile myrtle, right, and just spitting out babies. You know, in order for evolution model to, to take effect, right? right. To, be, to um, have any teeth, right? Mm-hmm. Number 10, 
Evolution has to allow children of both sex to be produced. You know how many people out there have just one sex of children? They just have a string of boys or a string of girls? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm the only girl in the family, or I'm the only boy in the family, or whatever the case may be. So you would have to have, you know, both sexes be born, right. and then, you know, incest after that. Right? Right, right. But um, again, for number 11, evolution would have to allow genetically perfect children to live long enough to be produced. Right. So so we know a lot all the time. There's just birth defects and stuff like that. Yep. You know, so if someone is born with a a mutated gene pool, then okay, so so that's why I say I'll concede the argument of like an like you have an evolutionary anomaly. Evolution produced the first human. And then after that, you know, you have mutations and birth defects and then it just goes downhill from there, mm-hmm. right? Then, then what do you do with that, right. right? And then that's actually more common and more likely to have birth defects than anything, anything else. Right. And then um, number 12, evolution assumes that the female must reproduce and it leads to an amoral framework. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, because so, so now in order to, to perpetuate the species, you know, morals have to go out the door. There is no moral law. You do whatever you got to do to survive. We yeah, see that with lions. Yeah, you just spread your seed wherever, wherever it is. I'm, you I'm, know? I'm killing the, uh, the cubs that you already have so that you can uh, have uh, have mine and do it faster. Mm-hmm. It, it would have to be that way. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it removes a woman's choice to yeah. to have kids or not to have kids because right. you wouldn't have no choice. Right. The, the woman, the woman in the evolutionary framework, does not have a choice. Right. So that's why I personally like that argument of of the irreducibility of complex systems mm-hmm. because it you can't get around the the probabilities. You know, it goes back to the fine tune. It, it's kind of tied to the fine tuning of the of the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, the human anatomy is fine tuned. Right, and then again, like like, I keep going back to the point of, if you want to say evolution produces human, fine, one time, but you have to look at the other points of, you know, proximity. Right. Right. You know how big the world is. Like, mm-hmm. wow, to be in the same proximity that they meet. This is before they had any kind of dating apps. You know. <laughs> right. So so in order to be in the same proximity. Like, that's just mathematically impossible. It makes more sense that God uh, put you to sleep, Adam took the woman from your room and brought her to you. <laughs> you know? And, and that's really the next thing we're going to get into is, is um, it, the both systems work on faith. You know, we act despite what we don't know because of what we do know. You know, what points the evidence out where, where it leads to, right? right? You know, that's the essence of biblical faith including faith in the existence of God. We trust in what is known, leading us to action despite a less than absolute understanding. And this is kind of, you know, hinges on Hebrews 11, right. 6. And, um, what's on? One button there. And, um, whether or not one acknowledges God, the decision involves faith. Right. right? So both systems, whether, whether you believe in God or you believe mm-hmm. in evolution, both systems are faith-based systems. Right. Because, no one was there for the Big Bang. It's mm-hmm. not, no one observed it. So yeah, you, you got to think about faith. faith. Yeah, you know, so so you put your faith. You you ultimately put your faith in the man, mm-hmm. just like we put our faith in the man. Right. Now we believe our man is, is also God. Hundred percent man, hundred percent. You know, so if you believe in the Big Bang, then you you're putting your faith in other scientists. Mm-hmm. You're still you're still putting your faith in that they know what they're talking about, and that they at least maybe. You know, witnessed it, but no one witnessed it. No one witnessed the Big Bang. I love it's that. Unavailable. I love that. There's an argument that I have with people will believe something that they read. And I'm like, you can believe something that you read and what somebody said, but you can't believe something that I read. Yeah, <laughs> and that I said I experienced exactly. So if I say I experienced God, mm-hmm. I witnessed God mm-hmm. move in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, do things that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Move me different ways that I can't explain. Read the word. Know, and, and and yet change me in ways that like I'm unrecognizable to observable myself, changes, to observable changes. Right. You know that my wife didn't testify to. Right. You know, but you want to argue me out of that, right. out of that experience, out of that measurable difference. But 
based off of something you of something you you know, and, and, and you can't measure the Big Bang, you can't you can't observe it. Mm-hmm. There, there's like evolution, there's no transitional there's no there's no cat dog. Right. Cat dog. I mean, there's no bird lizard. You know, there's no transitional life form. You never, you'll never see one kind transitioning to another kind. You'll never see apes transitioning to humans. We're different kinds, mm-hmm. right? You have variations and adaptations, but that's very different than a trans, a a a, a transformative mutation. Right. You know. But again, belief in God does not require blind faith. You know, but neither can it be. Neither can it overcome malicious resistance. Like right. if you just don't want to believe, it, there's no way to prove it. Mm-hmm. Then this whole video is just a watch, mm-hmm. right? You know, but bolstering faith are human experience. Bolstering faith are human experience, mm-hmm. logic, and empirical evidence, mm-hmm. all of which help answer the question: Does God exist? Mm-hmm. Right. So, at the end of the day, we use these arguments, and they're they're just logical arguments. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily empirical evidence, mm-hmm. right? We can't like we can't sit here and mathematically, physically prove that there's a god, you know. Like I can't sit here with you know and say, okay, well here's a mouse, right? This is a mouse, and therefore it's god. Well, and that's a core. Like, that's a core of uh, our belief is faith. Right? Yes, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the prediction of things not seen. So the evidence is there, the logical evidence, but if it, if it is indeed what it says there, then it would have to be who was texting me. It's just somebody in the phone. <laughs> My love. Anyway, going back to the, uh, the whole faith thing, that, that's essential to uh, our belief, right? If, if it was just right there, right in our face, we can see it, and there, here's the voice right here, then it wouldn't be faith. Yeah. What else? <laughs> yes, who? No. <laughs> so, kind of hinting on, you oh. know, yeah, yeah, Luke 11, 11 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For you who come to God must believe that he is mm-hmm. and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. And also, too, it, it gets into the whole free will idea. I'm not going to force you to come to me, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, it, it, it requires an act of faith. Yeah. You take next one? Yes. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. This is the New King James Version. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But by it, the elders obtain, oh yeah, it is obtain a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And that's all faith right there. It is. And then also, uh, Mark eleven twenty two and 24, in King James Version. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever said this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You know, there's plenty more scriptures. Absolutely. Now we got like two more. So wait. <laughs> there's plenty more. We got two more. <laughs> plenty more. <laughs> uh, John 3, 16 through 17, New King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. And then this will be the last one. First John 5, 13. Uh, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of, Je- uh, the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, that is, Jesus. And, um, but yeah, so so that, that's really the last thing that we want to leave you, leave, off with, with, leave you with, is, you know, just to point to the direction of faith, right? right? And that this is why we make the case for God. Mm-hmm. And, and after, after, after all of that, after you think through all those arguments and, and assumptions and 
the main thing is we don't want blind believers. Mm-hmm. You know, like God doesn't want blind believers. We want people to know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. No one no one builds a tower, Jesus says, without first examining the cost. Right. No one goes to war and you know and entangles and himself in the daily affairs of life. You know, no one who puts their hands to the to the plow, you know, and turns back is worthy of, of him. You know? Right. All right. So you want to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into before you jump into it, because Jesus, Jesus don't want you know a part-time friend. You know, he wants it all. Right. You know, he doesn't want a part-time Christian. He wants it all. Your whole life, your life is a living sacrifice to God. All right. And um, so that's why we want to make sure that we that on this podcast that we try to be you know accurate. You know, not try, but be accurate. You know, there's no, like Master Yoda says, there is no try. It's only do or do not, right? <laughs> yeah, man. But um, we hope this helps, right? Because it helped us, you know, to see it. And I was, I was excited when I found all of them in one spot. I was like, holy cow, this is a treasure trove. excited now. You, you know, know right? <laughs> when Raymond is stumbling over his words, he is excited. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's fun. It's yeah. fun doing this. You know, it's fun being here. Talk with my brother here. Mm-hmm. You know, we have these conversations during the week, so it's not just a part. We'll sit and we'll talk for uh, hours until we get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. like, Y'all still on the board? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we ain't gonna tell you everything you say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, keep rocking with us. If you like what you're hearing, man, hit that like, hit the subscribe. Yes. You know, send this to your friends, especially mm-hmm. because you know this. this it, it, I know some of y'all have probably um, been been thumped by the chumps. You know, it, <laughs> it didn't really have a have a good response to right. some of the questions people right. had. So we hope this helps. Mm-hmm. Again, check out the links in the description for these videos. Mm-hmm. Look out for that. Yeah, watch the videos. We tried to do our little uh, spin, but the videos they definitely put in a lot yeah, more it, man hours. What William William Craig is a genius. You know, he, he he got my respect. But um, yeah, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll catch you on next time, all right? It's your host, Ray Tucker. And Jay Jones. Catch y'all later. On one, and do this one.